<clears throat> Greet your neighbor as we continue on in our service. everybody. Let's pray God's blessing over the offering. Uh, Lord, thank you, Lord, um, for just waking us up this morning, um, Lord, for giving us another chance, Lord, to worship your holy name, Lord, and give you the praise that you do, Lord. Uh, we pray, Lord, as we give towards the advance, we give, we give towards the advancement of your kingdom, Lord, that uh, more people would know the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, and accept Jesus Christ into their life. And so, Lord, we pray that you would bless this offering. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Prayer service will be held um, tonight uh, at 5 p.m. Uh, here in the sanctuary, we ask everyone to uh, come out for corporate prayer. The men's prayer meeting will be held on uh, February 13th at 7.30 p.m. Please see Pastor Stanley John for more details. Please join us on Wednesday, February 15th uh, for a midweek Bible study as we study the Bible verse by verse um, at church, or you can tune into our Calvary Chapel Word of Life YouTube live stream. The live stream will start after worship. Forever Mentored will meet on Thursday, February 16th at 7 p.m. Communion and Family Night will be held on Friday, February 17th at 7.30. The next Women's Fellowship will be held on Friday, February 24th at 7.30 p.m. Please see Sarah Darden for more information. The Book Club will meet on Friday, March 3rd at 7 p.m. We will be reading how to be filled with the Holy Spirit by A.W. Tozer. All are welcome to attend. If interested in participating, please see Corey Hackett Green. Please plan to read the entire book prior to the meeting. All prayer requests may be sent to our uh, website, ccwordoflife.org, then click prayer or submit your prayer request uh, in the prayer box in the sanctuary that's at the information table right over there. Uh, we do pray, we, uh, pastors do uh, collect those prayers and, and pray with you um, and whatever your prayer requests are. So feel free to uh, share your prayer requests. You may sub, uh, support the church financially in these ways. You can do it uh, in person with the offering boxes that are posted on either side of the sanctuary. You can text the word GIVE, that's G-I-V-E, to the number 215 515-6552. You can send checks to P.O. Box 30750, Philadelphia, PA 19104. Or you can give online um, through our website, ccwordoflife.org, then click giving. At this time, we ask you to please silence all of your electronic devices. 
um, and open up your Bibles or your Bible apps to the book of Matthew. We're going through chapter 24, verses 9 through 39 uh, with Pastor Mark this morning. Amen. mistake up there. It should be 9 at 31, so. <clears throat> um, good morning. Last night was wonderful, amen? If you was here last night and you're a married couple, we had a great, 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 great time in the Lord. All righty, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for all that you give us, Lord. You said you'd load us daily with benefits, and sometimes we don't even know all of them. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you speak to us in the days we live in. Lord, give us wisdom through your word. Lord, let it come alive. Lord, let it say what it says. Lord, let us not add or take away from, Lord, but Lord, teach it line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, Lord, that your word would be magnified and exalted even above your name. You said that it's settled in heaven. Let it settle in our hearts. The entirety of your word is truth. And so, Father, we love your word, Lord. As the psalmist said, he prays your word. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would speak only as you can speak, Lord. I pray for our nation. Pray for the world we live in, Lord. Pray you would bless this time, Lord. And as David prayed, let the words in my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I do pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with us to Matthew 24, verse 9. It says, and I'll read down, there's a lot of reading, but it's all in the red, so it's Jesus speaking. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will offend, be offended, will betray one another, and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and those who are uh, who are nursing babes in those days, and pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved, but, they lect, but for their elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone say to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. 
For false Christs will rise, and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even they lack. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if you say, if, he, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For, whoever, for, wherever, for wherever the carcass is, there, notice, there the eagles will be gathered together. Y'all probably like that, right? Immediately after tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together his elect from the four winds of the end of heaven to the other this is interesting in context. So you got to read this in context. He's not talking about the church. This is not talking about the church. This is not talking about the church. Remember the first eight verses we read when it says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple, Herod's temple, this great edifice that was, you know, this huge white marble overlaid with gold and so forth. It took 46 years to build, you know, John chapter 2, verse 20, even, and it wasn't done after the 46 years. But it's interesting, Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, or verily, some translations may say, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon, upon another, left here upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And that would happen because you read through the antiqui antiquities of Flavius Josephus. You read Jewish history. You read about Herod's temple. Herod's temple, the rabbis say, you've never seen a temple unless you saw Herod's temple. Herod's temple, the slabs were, you know, they were so big and massive, they didn't even use mortar to go between the brick. They just laid one stone upon another, and what they had gold overlaid the, the whole entire temple, and from a distance it would blind you to look at it in the strength of the sunlight. And Jesus said, not one stone will be left upon another. The word of God said, not one stone will be left upon another. Not the Roman soldiers. Titus Vespasian goes into Jerusalem. You know, his soldiers, they drunk. One have a torch in his hand or something, throws it back. The temple catches on fire. Titus on the embankment saying, no, no. They think he meant, they meant, he meant go, go, go. They burn the whole temple down. It wasn't because Titus wanted the temple to be burned down. They burnt the whole temple down, and then the Romans, because it was overlaid with gold, when it fell, the bricks and stars, stones started falling out, they was taking one stone from another to get the gold out as spoil for themselves, because it was worth money. And so when Jesus says this, it's not the Roman soldiers that destroyed the temple. Yeah, it was their hands that did it, but it was the word of God that said it would happen, because they didn't want to destroy the temple. 
And then Jesus went on to talk about the sign of the end. You know, he went and he sat on the Mount of Olives and he says, and as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Some say it was four of them, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And says, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. Earthquakes, we just had an earthquake on the border of Turkey and Syria. And all these things, he says, are the beginning of sorrow. Sorrow is the word birth pegs, you know, birth. There's something is being birthed. When you see all these things around us, something is being birthed. It's like almost a woman in the third trimester. You know, you can, you know, and then you start, you know, going into labor pains and then, you know, contractions are closer and closer. Something is being birthed. And as we get closer and closer to the end, the contractions, they sort of get closer and closer. And you, know, and you have one thing go after the other. One earthquake, bam, the tornadoes, the boom, the, the hurricanes, you know, all these things will happen. Famines, pestilence, you know, pestilence like, you know, the bird flu or, or SARS or, you know, all those different types of things are, are called pestilence. And now he gets more direct in speaking to his disciples. But please keep in mind, this is in the content of Jewish, of a Jewish person. He's not talking about the church, although some of these things could apply to a certain degree, to a certain degree. Look what he says. Then they will deliver you, and he's going to say you throughout this. You is pointing to something down the line, too. The, he's talking to them, but he's talking about something almost, you know, he's outside of time when he's saying this. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation, notice, and kill you, and you will be hated. We will be hated, but he's talking about the Jews during the tribulation period. Notice, by all nations, and we know it's not directly relegated to just the disciples, because it says by all nations, plural. So certainly looking towards something else more broader than just Jesus speaking to his disciples here, because they were only in Galilee and Judea. He says nations, by all nations, that's the whole world, for my name's sake, certainly looking to the future. And, you know, the Jewish people during the tribulation period, they'd be hated for my name's sake. They're interested. And he says, and then many will be offended, will betray one another, and will be hated. Then many false prophets, just like today, but we ain't seen nothing yet, but we won't be here to see it. They're going to greatly be deceived. Will rise up and deceive. The the word deceive in the Greek is planio, and it's found 37 times in the New Testament. Um, 
is related to the root word plena, a plenas. They all connected to some degree. He says, and many will, many false prophets will rise up and deceive plenia, and it means to cause to roam from safety. That's what the word means. Or from truth or from virtue, the word means to, to go astray or to err. They will rise up and you will err. You will, they will seduce the minds of the weak. That they would wander away from the truth and from the root word that means fraudulent. And it's also related to another word that sort of means imposter. Imposter. So many false prophets or imposters will rise up and seduce the minds of people, making them wander from the truth and from the safety of God. Because there is truth in God's safety because the truth sets us free and it sets us free indeed. And here he says that, will rise up and deceive many. He didn't say all, but he does say many. Because when the Antichrist is raised up in these last days, there's going to be a great deception, something that the world has never seen. Something that the world has never seen. God will give them over to a great delusion. They believe the lie. Paul says in 2 Thessalonians, you know, they, they will be, people will be deceived. This man will be, he's not going to be, I don't know what he's going to be, like GQ magazine or Revelation 13, you read about him. I don't know what he's going to be like, but when the Antichrist come on the scene, he's going to be, his words are going to be, I mean, man, you didn't see, you see politicians today, man, he's going to make them look like kindergarten work. I'll fix all the problems. And he'll probably have a rhyme. It ain't a problem that I can't fix because I can do it in the mix. Or some slogan, everybody said, man, this guy is good. You know, he is the man. And it says in verse 12, it says, and because lawlessness, King James's iniquity, will abound, and it means that it shall be multiplied. We see this now all around us. We, you know, people call good evil. The church is the problem with everything. It's the church. It is the church. Right? The, church the main problem is that the people that know the Bible and the people that teach the word of God, they are the main problem. He says, because lawlessness will abound, it be multiplied, the love. And this is the only time Matthew uses this word love in the, in the gospel of Matthew. This is the only time he uses this word. It's mentioned in the Bible, but he uses it, it's mentioned like 116 times, but Matthew uses this word love. It's the only place where he uses the word love, the noun form of the word agape. He says the love, the agape, because the verb form is agapeo. He says agape, he says that the love of many will grow cold, and it's a process, will grow cold. Or grow wax. Although this is not addressing the church here, but is also warning for us even in the days we live in. Because let me tell you why. The more you see how cold the world gets and how lawless the world gets, you just ride down Broad Street and you might say some things that's not even in the Bible. People swerving in front of you and no, no rules, you know, cutting out in front of you. And you know, just no more rules. Lawlessness. The more we see lawlessness the greater chances for us to get cold-hearted towards people coming to Christ. We say, let them all burn in hell or something. You know, we'll be thinking all kinds of stuff. Because you just say, look, those heathens, I'm not witnessing to none of them. And the enemy wants us to be right there, too. That we'll look at people and start seeing how wicked the world has become. 
And we can grow cold toward and be desensitized to the world itself and say, well, why would I share Christ with these guys? You know, none of them are going to listen. They all listen to Jay-Z and they all go to the Rihanna concert. And we lose something when we start looking at the world the wrong way. Sinners are supposed to be sinners. <laughs> what do you think they're going to do? What did we do before we came to Christ? The exact same things. For such was some of us. And so to grow cold oftentimes is because you can look at something in light of how terrible and how horrible it becomes. You know, remember what Paul wrote? Paul wrote in 2 Timothy, you know, and he was writing to Timothy, who's in over the church. And he says, know this, but know this, that in the last days, peerless times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than God. He said, these are the last days we live in. It will be like that. And we can grow cold the more we see lawlessness, even in our culture. But he says, and because of lawlessness, <clears throat> excuse me, will be multiplied, it will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but notice, he who endures to the end shall be saved. Well, what in the world is Christ talking about here? Shall be saved. And some people look at it, oh, you're talking about the salvation, you shall be saved. No one in the Bible just talks about he who endures will be saved. We saved by grace. So you're not talking about salvation. You don't endure and you say, oh, now I'm saved. None of us endured and say, oh, I endured. And look how I endured. Now I'm a Christian. He's not talking about Christians. This is Jewish in content. He who endures, he's talking about those who endured the tribulation period. You know, we'll be saved. This is not talking about a salvation, but we'll be delivered. We'll be rescued. Look, in the tribulation period, there will be believers, but they're not the church. During the tribulation, the church is rapture. The church is taken out of the way. So, we, so during the tribulation period, people that come to know the Lord, they're not part of the church. They're believers, but they're not part of the church. And they endure. You imagine, imagine enduring that seven years of just chaos onto the tenth power. Imagine that. So we know he's not talking about salvation because no one is saved because he endured or he or she endured. How many of y'all endured and then y'all got saved? Get out of here. He's not talking about that. And so when people read this and they teach that, he's not talking about, the, you know, the church. He's talking about, you know, those who endures the great tribulation, the tribulation period. And he says, and this gospel will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. Well, who's going to be doing the preaching during this period of time? Who's going to be doing the preaching during the tribulation period? Who's the preachers there? Well, you read your Bible in Revelation chapter 7, verse 4 through 8, is 144,000 Billy Grahams, or whatever they're going to be similar to, evangelists that will preach. They will preach the word. They will be sealed. Nobody will kill them. No, they will be sealed. In fact, and then when you get to Revelation chapter 11, you have the two, you know, 
prophets, the prophets, the two witnesses, one most believe that is Moses, the other one is Elijah. It seems like a, you know, a reasonable guess or estimation or whatever most scholars believe. I believe that it's Moses and Elijah because we know Moses and Elijah appeared to Jesus during the transfiguration to speak of his decease. So I believe that those two guys, they come back on the scene. Nobody never knew how Moses died. They never found his body. We know that Elijah went up in a whirlwind and he never saw death. And so they come back, they will see death, they'll preach, they'll torment the world, they'll be outside of Jerusalem, torment the world, and the world will just go crazy because of these two guys. And people will give their lives to the Lord because of these two witnesses. They'll be martyred on national TV. When John wrote this, there was not no, um, you know, Instagram or satellites or nothing like that. He said that they will be martyred on national, you know, and the whole world would know, almost have like a party when these guys get, get martyred by the Antichrist, which is called the beast. He's also called the beast in Revelation chapter 11. And so he says that they will be preaching. So you have the, the witnesses who get martyred, called up to heaven, three days left for dead on the streets. They get called up to heaven. They raise their bodies up and go, shoop, go right to heaven. You have the 144,000 who are sealed. They won't lose their lives during the whole entire period of time. <clears throat> and then you have one more witness that God will have preaching this kingdom. There's one more witness. And that's in Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. When John writes, he says, <clears throat> then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. In other words, it's not going to be, a, it's not gonna be a, a person in the world or a language in the world that he can't reach. In an entire world, won't be a, not one person won't be able to reach. He says, and this gospel, the kingdom, will be preached. These three different, the, 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 the two witnesses, the angel. God sends an angel. <laughs> he said, look, I love you so much, I'll send an angel. Maybe an angel can get your attention. And we know in Revelation 16, they're going to put their fists up to God. They're going to blaspheme the name of God. Even after all of this, God is still not done. What grace, what love, what kindness. And he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all of the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. And he says, therefore, when you, and he's saying you to those Jesus is speaking to, and it's in the future, us or whoever, we won't be here, but there will be some people, and I'll listen to this, I'll read this verse, and I'll come back and say something that I think is important. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, spoken by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Now, it's interesting because... During the tribulation period, the first half is 1260 days or three and a half years. So what's going to happen, the calendar during that period of time, we have a 365-day calendar. The calendar somehow is going to be changed to 360 days. And during that period of time, 1260 days plus 1260 days is 2520 days 
which gives us seven years, which is the seven-year tribulation period. But halfway through, after these two witnesses are martyred and killed by the beast, the Antichrist, the second half of the tribulation is ushered in. Some scholars call that the Great Tribulation because it starts amplifying and intensifying. And so when it says that the, when you see the abomination of desolation, this is speaking of the desecration of the temple in Jerusalem, a temple that's not ordained by God, a temple that the Jews will build, They'll build this temple, and they'll worship in this temple and so forth. And the Antichrist, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worship, he will come and sit, as Paul says, in the temple, showing himself that he is God. And that's what the Jews can say, hey, no, you're not God. That's what they're going to realize, he's not God. And Paul writes about that in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 4. I know this is a lot to take in, but think about these things. Because you've got unsafe family members. Some of them may be the ones that will understand and read this. When we get raptured and taken out of here, they may understand and read this. Or some Jewish person that you love and you care about, they might run and read this. It says, you know, See the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, Daniel chapter 9, verse 27 it is. You know, you read that, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let them understand, then let those who are in Judea, notice, flee to the mountains. This text only applies to the nation of Israel, the Jews. Isaiah chapter 2, you know, Revelation chapter 12. The nation of Israel is talking about. The Jews will flee to Petra. Petra, you know, a place, a city is as big as Manhattan. It's huge. A lot of Jews buying stuff up in Petra now. In Petra, the size of Manhattan, New York. A huge place. You know, W.E. Blackstone was so convinced that Petra would be the place in which the Jews would be kept safe during the tribulation period he was so convinced by this particular text that he purchased thousands of Hebrew New Testaments. So when they flee to Petra, the word of God will be there awaiting them. The Jews will be fleeing because of the Antichrist is going to slaughter as many as he can. You read Zechariah, you know, in the book of Zechariah, he talks about, you know, thousands and millions of Jews being slaughtered. Should always be Zechariah chapter 12, 13, and 14. And just bookmark it all that then, and it kind of gives you, it makes a lot of more sense than when you read through it. It says, Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house, and let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. And notice what he says in verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation, an onslaught of persecution. It's going to be amplified. He says great tribulation. After the two witnesses are martyred, great Tribulation, you know, you read Revelation, I'll read it for you. It's going to be great tribulation right after these two witnesses get out the way. <clears throat> because the Antichrist 
He's crazy. That's what he is. It says in Revelation chapter 11, I'll read it for you. Verse 7, and when they finish their testimony, the bees that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, these two witnesses, <clears throat> overcome them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt, Jerusalem, where also our Lord was crucified. Then those from the people's tribes and tongues and nations will see their dead bodies three and a half days and not allow their dead bodies to be put into the grave. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry and send gifts to one another because these two witness, these two prophets rather, tormented those who dwell on the earth. And it says that now after three and a half days, the breath of life from God entered them, the two, the two prophets, the two witnesses, and they stood on their feet and great fear fell on them who saw them. And they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And they ascended to the heaven in a cloud, and the enemy saw them. And this is in the same hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. <clears throat> in the earthquake, 7,000 people were killed, and the, and the rest were all afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. And then it goes into the second woe has passed, and so forth in the revelation of, of that John, the revelation of Christ. This is a tribulation period. So we don't understand the most people don't understand. Look, this is what happened. The church. The church, one day we'll all be going about our business. No one knows the time, no one knows the hour. The voice of, uh, you know, of God, the voice of, you know, with the, trump, with the trump of God, you know, the voice of an archangel and so forth. We'll be snatched out of here, and that's called the rapture. It's the Greek word, herpazo. It means to be snatched by force. So one day we'll be snatched out of here. Now, flesh and blood don't inherit the kingdom of God, so we'll be taken, all of our blood, everything is going to be splattered. We'll be taken out of here. Gone. You know, 1 Corinthians 15 says change in the moment and the twinkling of an eye. Scientists can't even count a twinkle. We'll be, that's why as Christians, we should have hope. We won't be here doing this stuff. We should have hope and we should be, have sorrow at the same time for people who will. And then when we're raptured, that ushers in the tribulation period. Seven years. Seven whole years. 1260. Plus 1260, uh, three and a half years, plus three and a half years. And he says, so then there will be great tribulation such as has not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor ever shall be. He says, it'll never be like this. And he says, and unless those days were shortened, no flesh will be saved. It means delivered or rescued, not salvation, but for the elect's sake. Those days will be shortened. And the elect's sake here, he's not talking about the church here. He's talking about the Jews. You know, the elect's sake in Isaiah 45, verse 5. The word elect is mentioned in regards to the Jews. In Isaiah 65, verse um, 9, you know, the, the elect, you speak of the Jews. Isaiah 65, verse 22, he uses the word elect, speaking of the Jews. 
reason why I'm the elect. Well, yeah, but the Jews are the elect too. And he's speaking of the Jews, but for the elect's sake, not the church. Because look, we were not appointed to wrath. We should know that. You should know that. You read First Thessalonians 5, 9. We was not appointed to wrath, but to obtain salvation. You know, it wasn't appointed to the tribulation period. You know, some guys say, well, you know, some of the preterists, some of the Presbyterian brothers, you know, I love them. But some of them push all this together. Oh, this is the tribulation period. This is, this is not the tribulation period at all. Some preterists, some reformed guys or whatever. This is not the tribulation period. Trust me. And the Holy Spirit is restraining it. And, you know, you, re you read about the restraining power of the Holy Spirit, and you look at what the world is saying, you say, well, he must be doing a really lousy job. No, God is on his timetable to do what he wants to do. And what's he want to do? It says, then if anyone says to you, look, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe him. This is Jesus speaking. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders and to deceive, if possible, even the elect. The world will be so corrupt because of the leading of this lawless one, the Antichrist, who will produce signs and wonders. Because look, don't let signs and wonders be your reason for what you believe something. It's a, you, know, you can have lying signs and wonders too. Most people believe stuff because they're fascinated by it. Oh, man, that blew me away. Well, that don't mean anything. Because the Antichrist will be deceiving people with all kinds of stuff. He's going to be wounded. He's going to buy his wound, going to get healed. And, you know, supernatural. You go, like, this guy got to, you know, he got to be like, you know, he's a god. And he's, no, he's a false. He's demonic. The ungodly trinity, the, the devil, the, the Antichrist, and that false prophet, spoken of in Revelation. And here he says, Jesus says, see, I have told you beforehand. Imagine it being a Jew reading these words from the Bible during the tribulation period. Imagine you doing, you're reading in your Bible. He said this was going to happen. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. And you almost want to count back the days and say, look, and you could know if you lived on the tribulation period, you could count the days and you know when Jesus is coming back. They're going to be the only people in the world. They're going to know when his second coming. They can look at the days and say, no, it's 40 more days. He's going to come. You know, you, they will know. They will know. They said, no, no, we, all, we almost know. We're 2,200 days in. We got this many more days to go. You know, they will know. They will know. They're going to know when he's going to come back. But imagine reading this. He says, I've told you beforehand. Imagine reading this or hearing it handed down when he's mocking the Lord when he says, oh, man, your house has left you desolate. And, you know, you did not know the, the day of your visitation. You know, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, one of the stones, the prophets, and those who sent her how often wanted to gather her as a hen gather her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. So therefore, your house is left desolate. Imagine just you, you're seeing all of this and you, somebody reading this and, and bombs going to bloom, nuclear wars. Oh my God, I, just, I can't believe, I've got duck, you know, and, you, and you're reading this. And all of this is happening because God's word will never, ever, never, ever return void. And whatever God sends it out to do, that it will accomplish. His word will never return void. When you read the Bible, you say, no, 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 the Bible is reading me right about them because I'm saying, Lord, they didn't know their day of visitation. 
when Jesus came the first time. But when the second time he comes, they're going to look at the one whom they pierce. And they're going to mourn, as it says in Zechariah. He says, therefore, if they say to you, verse 26, look, he is in the desert. Do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms. Do not believe it, for as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man, this is Christ, be for wherever the carcass is, there the eagles, y'all probably say, yeah, eagles in the Bible. The eagles will be gathered together. Somebody had that argument, well, is eagles in the Bible? Eagles in the Bible. Well, the chiefs, chiefs is in the Bible. <laughs> you remember the year they played the, uh, the New England Patriots? The Patriots not in the Bible, you know. But it's interesting, he says, for wherever the carcass is there, the eagles will be gathered together. You know, at Armageddon, people think like Armageddon is this big battle in the valley, in the ghetto and so forth, this huge battle and so forth. The people don't understand what's going on in Armageddon. Armageddon is almost like you got the, the Antichrist and his army, you know, his armies from, you know, his coalition. And then you got the kings of the east and they come in to make battle. They ready to go to battle. That's when Christ comes back. And with the brilliance of his brightness, he destroys them. You know, with the word of his light, with the word of God, he destroys them, all of them. And then he goes like this. <clears throat> the birds come. It should be, <clears throat> it should be called the, um, the feast of the birds. Because that's what's going to happen. Going to be no real battle. Revelation chapter 19, it's not going to be a real battle. It's going to be be carnage everywhere. And he says, there the eagles will be gathered together. And immediately after the tribulation of those days, four things are going to happen. The sun will be darkened. That's one. And the moon will not give us light. That's two. Because if the sun darkened, The moon can give light because the moon only has its light from the sun. Three, the stars will fall from heaven. You know how big a star is? And the powers, number four, the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds, notice, of heaven with power, and notice what he says, great, not just glory, great glory. This is not just this little event like coming with power, with great glory. Revelation says this, 1914, it says that, and the armies of heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he shall strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of the Almighty God. And, you know, and that's going to be Jesus Christ coming back. We will come back with them. You say, well, how do you know that? We're going to come back with them. In the book of Jude, he says something real, that little teeny book. 
he says something really interesting. Jude says this <clears throat> in Jude chapter 1, you know, verse um, 14. It says, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among all those, all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way, and so forth. We'll come back with the Lord. We'll come back with the Lord. The rapture was snatched out of here. The second coming, we come back. If you don't know how to ride a white horse, you'll have a white horse. You'll be in white fine linen, and we'll ride behind Christ. The King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king. That's why we are kingdom kids. The kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom lives within the believer. The heavens with great glory. And he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they will gather his elect again from the four winds, four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. This is probably the disciples looking at him like this. Because they don't really know what he's talking about totally. They, Matthew pins this. You know, but I'm sure they, they, they didn't know what he's talking about. And he's looking outside of time, down under time. You know, one day when we get raptured, we should be, that's why evangelism is so important. That's why the church, when the Bible says go in the world and make disciples, teaching them, discipleship is through Bible teaching. Discipleship is not just you bringing somebody to a cookout with you and y'all sitting around eating you know, watermelon and, you know, going on picnics. And you know, discipleship is teaching the word of God. It should be from the pulpit, but sometimes it's not. And it's not happening in so many places where nobody hearing the word of God. They're just hearing a bunch of stuff that make the church run. You know, or some other get ready, get ready, get ready for this. And let me get in your pocket and you get this and that, you know. But the seriousness part of this is when you read this, we should be witnessing and telling people about Jesus Christ. Every chance you get. Every chance you get. You should be telling Because you wouldn't want to see nobody go through the tribulation period. Or die and go to hell. You know, Matthew 25, 41 says, Hell was made for Satan and his fallen angels. Dude, why would you want anybody to go there? And as the church, we have a charge... You know, we will be raptured. We'll be gone. You know, some people say, well, why should I worry about that? I'm not going to be here. But you got loved ones. You got people you want to see one day. Hopefully you'll see them in heaven. You know, and I, and I care about that. I do. I care about that. We used to do all those outreaches. People thought, well, they doing those outreaches. Or I remember years ago, we used to be in the water zone. They feeding the people. That's how they get in the churches. How dumb is that? Yeah, if you could give somebody something to be a blessing to them, do it. But if they got there, they heard the gospel. They heard the word of God. And you should be saying, Lord, here I am, Lord. How are you going to use my life? You know how stale Christianity gets when you're not doing evangelism and making disciples? You'd be like dead as a doorknob. Your whole life you'd be like, it's all about me, Lord. Look. Without me, you know, Lord, my life. If you're not bringing people to church or discipling people or speaking to people and talking to people, you know, somewhere your life gets stale. You get like, it's almost like, I don't know, meeting new believers or people you can pour into. It gives you life. 
And some people, they just live their whole Christian life and they never get, they just live their whole life. And Christianity has become all about them. And then they, before they know, they, they just die. And they, and they just be gone. And they're just like, well, who are you, lead, who are you investing in? Who are you important? Well, why would I do that? Because Christians do that. Preach the gospel to every creature. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Our lives should be those lives where you constantly, and you say, well, I was investing in them, but they don't cooperate. Go to the next person. But don't become stale because you know what happens? All you'll do is get absorbed with yourself. That's, that'll be your life, just you and yourself, all your problems, everything you're thinking about every day over and over and over again. And then that gets old real fast. So we should be the ones. This should challenge us and say, Lord, who am I investing in, Lord? Who am I telling about Jesus at the workplace, wherever I'm at? How many people have I won to the Lord? If you say, how many people have won to the Lord in the last five years? Most of us say nobody. Because there's no urgency. Because we are just like, you know, the, the hearts of many have grown cold. We can get cold and say, so I'm not telling them nothing. I'm not witnessing that person. They got a preference to love this and do this and do that. But, you know, they drink and they didn't. No, 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 no. Our job is not to worry about that part because sinners are going to be sinners. Our part is to go in the world and preach the gospel. And if people don't want to hear it, go to the next person. And go to the next person. And how's your prayer life? Lord, 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 put people in my path, Lord, that I can share Jesus with, Lord. Lord, do that, Lord. Do that for me, Lord. You think the Lord wouldn't answer that prayer? The one who desires it all would come to the saving knowledge of the truth? He will answer that prayer, I guarantee you. We're just not praying that prayer. Go make some disciples. Go out. Look, you have enough here. You had enough Bible studies. We went to the Bible so many times here and there. You know, you had enough Bible studies that you should stay at Bible study. And y'all come. But you should also have to use that for something else. A changed man is a hungry man. You know how it is when you get saved the first when you first get saved, you're hungry. You're hungry to learn everything. You're hungry to share. That dies out the minute you start getting comfortable with yourself. And everything becomes too much work after that. Man, this is a lot of work, man. Serving the Lord, man. Look, they want me down there on, on Wednesdays and Sundays. Whoa, whoa, I'll pick a day. Let's see. And it's Thursday nights. Then they tell me Monday. Whoo, that's a whole lot. Man, that church crazy down there. No, 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 no. That's not crazy. That's healthy. That the saints of old, they was together every day. Who have you led to Christ in the last five years? Count them. Because you don't want to see them go through this. And it breaks God's heart that a person die and go to hell. It breaks God's heart that somebody die and be eternally separated from him. It breaks his heart. It breaks God's heart. Because that is not his desire that any should perish, but that they would turn. And it should break our heart too. It should break our heart too. In the days we live in, the world we look at and the world we see, it should break our hearts.
and say, Lord, how have we become so desensitized in the church? We missed the whole point. I want to enter into the kingdom of God with an abundance, as Peter said. And all of us should. Amen? Let's stand up as we pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. It makes us think. It makes us wonder, Lord. It makes us get into a place where one day we will be in glory. One day we will be in heaven. Lord, I pray for those who don't know Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, who's ever listening, Lord, who's ever here today, Lord, who's ever, wherever they are, they can hear. The time is running out that they would realize that time is so short. That one day they're going to want to run into a church and all of us will be gone. But Lord, I pray that they get Matthew 24 and read it and realize, Lord, that you love the world so much that you sent your only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will be saved, Lord. You didn't send him into the world to condemn the world, but that through Christ the world might be saved. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, even now, Lord, break our hearts for the things that break your heart. Let us get away from how the world thinks. We should be making disciples. We should be investing in people, Lord. We should be evangelizing. We should ask, Lord, to fill us, baptize us with your spirit, Lord. The supernatural things, Lord, that are natural to you, but they'll be supernatural when they live through our lives, Lord. And so, Father, we love you. We honor you. Praise you today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing this last song together. Give the Lord a big hand this morning if you love Jesus. If you want to do something in our lives, in our church. I can only imagine.